Okay. Whatever is good. That okay. sounds great. Okay. Uh, okay. Welcome to Oh Brother, Not Another Podcast. We are an official Apple podcast and we're on many other platforms. And I am Brother Miggs Burrows. And to introduce our special guest is Brother Trace Burrows. <laughs> and I'm Trace Burrows. And if you like the show, please leave a nice review. Today, uh, we're very excited to have on the show Joan Van Ark, who's done everything in show business, theater, movies, films, voiceovers, and probably other things I'm not aware about. She's been on so many television shows. Um, doing parts too, as well as besides for the main shows that she's known for, I would say, you can correct me, Joan, if I'm wrong, is Knott's Landing in Dallas, and then so many parts on Bonanza, Night Gallery, MASH, Six Million Dollar Man, and so many dozens of other shows and projects. So thanks for coming on the show today. Sorry about the problem we had earlier. Yeah. And thank, thanks to your husband. Yeah. Well, it's wonderful to, to be here with you. But, and uh, you're right, the preamble to this is, is longer than the show itself. <laughs> we, we finally connected, and that's what counts. So yeah. here I am, and glad to, glad to be here. Yeah, we well, had to nimble fingers to dial in all the codes and everything. But um, I never, Blondie, Blondie technology, technology is not my favorite subject here. And yeah. I could never have handled what, what has just ensued with us trying to just hook up and connect. We could barely handle it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and you're two guys. I always think, well, it's the female. No. It. But now, now, now ladies rule. That's the new normal. Oh, yeah. It's so our turn. It's our so the, turn. <laughs> so the beginning of your whole acting uh, career kind of started out in Connecticut, right? Did well, yes, basically. On, on yeah. Julie Harris, tell us about that. All of that, yes, because uh, I went. I grew up in Boulder, Colorado. I was born in New York City, but my the family moved out to a hilltop outside of Boulder, Colorado, and uh, went to school there. And you know, and then. Um, met Julie Harris because I, I started acting at age 14 when Russell James didn't ask me to the prom and I was so hurt I thought well who the, who the hell needs guys <laughs> <laughs> yeah Russell I have to I owe Russell a thanks kind of but bottom line was I went out to the Nomad Playhouse in Boulder and auditioned uh for a part and w when I did my audition you could hear a pin drop it, it, it was that kind of silence that mm. is kind of wonderful if you experience oh. it at a, at a tender age of 14 mm. that started me on my way and I went to school there in Boulder and when I was 16 years old I went into Denver because Julie Harris the one and only great mm. Julie Harris five Tonys to her name uh, was coming through Denver on a show and I interviewed her um, for the high school radio show or whatever mm. and um at the end of it, when it was all over, I said, um, she said, well, what do you, what are your future plans or whatever? And I said, well, I love um, acting and that's all I really dearly love. And I would love not to, to go to four years of college before I get into the graduate school at Yale. That's what I had my eye on. And she said, well, I went there. I could send, I could, I could talk to the dean and see what, what we could do. So she connected with the dean of the School of Drama, yeah. McCandless, I think his name was, 
um, Dean McCandless and my my mother and father, God bless them, who are no longer with us, uh, drove me back to New Haven, Connecticut during spring break. I met the dean and I was awarded a scholarship, the second person mm. after Julie Harris, after Julie Harris to do so. And I was walking on air. I oh. mean, it was just incredible. And I only stayed there at Yale for one year because I auditioned for Barefoot in the Park on Broadway for Mike Nichols. And I got the part of Corey Bratter, the female lead in Barefoot in the Park, which I played on Broadway. And I went to London doing it as well. So I, you know, I was blessed, very blessed at the very beginning of my, I guess you can call it career. Yeah, nice start. Yeah, Barefoot, well, I was going to mention, we live in New Westport, Connecticut, and there's the famous, it was more famous maybe years ago, the Westport Country Playhouse. And as when my brother and I both apprenticed there, but I remember as an apprentice in high school, which was 50 years ago or something, uh, Barefoot, <laughs> Barefoot in the Park came to, <laughs> came to the like Westport. Me. That's, pardon me? Yeah. Westport? Oh, of course. Absolutely. That's one of the who's who's. Uh, summer stock, Williamstown. Yeah. Uh, the Williamstown Theater Festival. I was a part of that, but that's in uh, Massachusetts. But uh, but the best of the best have gone there, and I did several summer seasons there and doing parts. And uh, yeah. uh, I was in such unbelievable uh, what's the word company because you you know everybody at some point or another mm. who's anybody does play Williamstown. But Westport is very famous and very prestigious. I don't know currently what the story is, and I'm sure it's just as magnificent, but uh, that's one of the top of the list of the summer efforts. Yeah, it's, I was going to ask you, well, Westport's been, they, you know, the Newmans helped the campaign that raised $80 million, so it's been renovated, and it's beautiful theater, but the uh, it's not the same. They don't have big stars coming. Everybody, you know, most everybody's credits in the program are, you know, all one of the many law and orders. And not that that's bad. It's just that there's really no name actors or actresses in these. It's kind of a pre-Broadway thing, isn't it? Like, yeah, it's sort of some. They try to be a pre-Broadway. I'm just wondering, from your point of view, is there a, are there touring companies anymore? I mean, what happened to that regional theater? Well, well, you you ask a good question because it does seem that that um, that's not a mode right now and you see with with all that we've all gone through in the last two and a half now almost three years of covid everything has been recalibrated and the new what is called quote the new normal on sets on in my world in the entertainment field and particularly theater which is ensemble and a team effort which is why i love it um it, it, it's all different and and you know on sets originally uh with television trying to gear up again during sort of the middle toward the end of covid you know there were the masks and the plexiglass visor and all Mm. kinds of incredible obstacles i did a um a soap called young and restless for a year or so before i went back and did uh, the kennedy center um which is i feel very prestigious and very Mm. i'm very proud of it but but bottom line is um, everything is sort of on a new platform and a, and a new way. And for old school or those of us who are really in, um, used to more the old old fashioned way, it's quite an adjustment. And this two and a half, three years has been, 
I've done tons of uh, virtual and all kinds of stuff, even mm. a pilot, you know, projects upcoming, but on a very different um, a platform and, and very different way and mostly virtual from the house. I'm doing voiceovers from my daughter's clothes closet in her room. <laughs> I know, really, it's just so, and it's my wild. husband is the engineer. That my husband's the engineer because he hmm. he gets it, and I'm an idiot. I'm a blonde idiot. But but bottom line is we end up fighting like cats and dogs, and all my readings have this terrible edge to them where I'm just you know, <laughs> which is not necessarily it's not necessarily the goal. But we're at each other's throat because we're just trying to make stuff out of the house work for broadcast purposes. Yeah, well, we're sort of doing this. We're not on a at professional level, but I have a strange question for you. Um, so, like, when you were on Dallas and Larry Hagman um, played J.L. Ewing, right? Jr. Jr. Ewing. Yeah. Jr. And um, yeah, he was a my friend of mine. He's a friend of the Hagman was a friend of the family, and he used to walk around naked with a big bag of pot. Did you ever do that on set? I, oh my God. Because that man, the sky was the limit on the pranks. And, and then when he got with Patrick, when he got with Patrick Ewing, I mean, I remember a take because he was a guest star on Knott's Landing, the show that uh, Ted Shackelford and I uh, no. were spun off and uh, moved to California. But he did an off-camera feeding me lines for my close-up squirting peanut butter through his teeth <laughs> and doing the lines but pressing with his tongue the 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 peanut butter came skewing out between the between the you know spaces in his teeth how i was supposed to keep a straight yeah. face and play the scene i'll never know but larry was the energy the batteries uh -huh. if you will for 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 all of us on the set, but the naked uh, that's a new one that he was naked and and walking around with what did you say in his a hands? big huge bag of pot? It sounded like a hefty bag. I wasn't there, my buddy was there. So we, David Wayne's house. This was David, David Wayne's house, which I'd go to every weekend because I was in a band with his son. And um and so the the weekend I wasn't there, and my uh, my friend who was also in the band said you you, you missed <laughs> you know Larry Hagman came over and he's walking around <laughs> thinking and it sounded like a big hefty garbage bag, but maybe it was embellishing. <laughs> I love it. I can't believe it. I mean, some of the stuff went on the uh, internet and wherever, but that's a new one on me. I love that. I love that. <laughs> but he he was a spark plug and. Um, I don't know. It's just like he was. Some people do with their life's work what God put them on the planet to do. Mm. And Larry, for sure, Larry, for sure, found his niche, which was, you know, a unique one and free as you can, you know, as a jaybird, so to speak. But he was so I, I don't know. He was like a child. And that's for an actor. And I mean, actor, male actor to have that kind of joie de vivre and just mm. no holds barred yeah. I, it, it's it's wild and he was so unique and i loved him so so much now there's some i'm curious because you know talking about larry hagman that way it, there's we, we've talked to some other actors and actresses and there's some people that you know stay in character and they're brooding on set and you can't talk to them and there's others that like you know playing jokes and doing cartwheels and they say okay on the set and they snap into character with no effort seem seemingly with no effort have you experienced well let me say yes when you give that 
example and explanation. In fact, the looseness of doing and talking and chatting is a wonderful, and I applaud it because I'm more the the first thing that you mentioned back behind the flats. Uh, 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 Alec Baldwin, who played my brother on Knots Landing, used to say everybody else was on the phone, uh, you know, ordering swatches for the living room <laughs> curtains you know, living room curtains, but Joan was always behind the flat jogging in place, oh. you know, trying to stay right with the scene and the character and the, you know, the thing. So I was like the former that you mentioned, mm -hmm. but those who, who have the freedom of spirit to stay loose and chit chat and do that. Um, I want to save every molecule of energy for the sure. character and deliver. I want to go, go big or go home. But the ones who stayed loose, I so admired for that ability and that trust to be out of it and then just slam right into it. Sally Field was the same way um, I did her show, she, one of the TV shows that were, uh, was a series. Um, and and she, uh, she, she would stay, you know, be loose as a goose talking about, do you want to borrow some tampons or whatever, you know, whatever. <laughs> Whatever, you know, was the necessary moment there. And then the minute they said, all right, actors, you know, in, get ready in action, whatever. They would be 100 miles away and immediately in mm. the right spot. And I applaud that. I applaud it. Yeah, you wonder if it's yeah if it's if it's not at the expense of, of an authenticity, you know, if there's- Anthony if Hopkins said in an interview once, you know, when he's so intense, he says, they say, well, so how do you, what are you thinking about? He says, when I do lines and they picked out some real serious drama, he said, he says, I'm thinking about changing the tires on my car. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yes. Yes. That is so, you know, the good ones, I feel that that's it because they stay loose and available mm. and uh, they're more freewheeling. And in so many ways, it's more authentic. But characters I've played, and certainly Valine, who was not a train wreck by any means, because I, I had respect for her. But but she she often had a lot of the emotional um, and the drama, and the you know yeah. she was going through lots of problems, which is great script and great character, but sometimes harder to tap right into, and suddenly oh. your eyes are full of tears. You know, so I I want to stay closer to home if you will. Yeah. Yeah. You have to build up to that kind of thing. I mean, it's not just, you know, well, I, a bit, a bit, you need yeah. a second and you have to imagine everybody in your life that you loved was in a car crash oh. or something like that. And, <laughs> and that's not funny, but, 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 you know, I had to stay a little closer to the bone to be able to yeah. deliver what I wanted her to be. Did you ever get the thing that this done before cliche, like people are so messed psycho, you know crazy that they see you in an airport and they think you're valine and they start like talking to you like you're that character in the show and you have to say I'm oh not, yeah that's a character no but I, I tell you I tell you when I first did valine she was you know she she was from uh actually Nashville Tennessee was her her home base where she was born but she grew up in Dallas so for sure early valine definitely had a southern accent but pretty soon David Jacobs who produced both shows and created both shows, Dallas and Knott's Landing, uh, after the, about the second or so season, 
uh, of not said, let's let's drop the southern accent because it did become oh. so California. And Knotts went 14 years. So, you yeah. know, come on. Yeah. So he didn't want to put up with hearing that southern accent forever. <laughs> and, I, and I understood that. I understood that. So, Migs, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, well, I was going to sort of switch gears a little bit because you do video games and, and voiceovers and, and, and you're in a closet or wherever you do them. But what is where's the point of reference? Because you don't have a backstory. I don't know. Maybe you do when you do a video game or a voice for, uh, you know, was it Spider-Woman or one of the things? Do they give you a backstory? Do they give you anything emotional? I'll get, you know, I went to theater. I went to Carnegie and they talked about being organic. Do they give you anything organic to hold on to when you're doing those voices? Not hugely, but there's always a little paragraph that is the creator's uh vision of the character and it often happens that as you get into it or, or go toward it that it gets modified or changed to the authenticity of whoever's doing like would be me in my case but but the energy and you know hmm. you're creating you as the actor are creating that character so there's a there's a little leeway once you if you get the part and you do it uh, there's leeway and you kind of discover together, which is exciting, I think, because you create something that's authentic and a sound that's authentic. And voiceover, I did Estee Lauder commercials hmm. all during Dallas and Knott's Landing. And that was back in New York. They put me up at the what was then the Plaza Hotel. Downstairs was Henry Henri Bendel, the oh, yeah. most, the chicest, the chicest, um, department store sure. in New York that was down on the very first floor I was up in some suite up way up higher in the, in the building and I would use my per diem which at that time was $350 a day mm. and go downstairs and buy uh, boots are my passion I would go down <laughs> and buy you know uh, uh, boots to my knees uh, you know fantastic sh shoes and clothes and the heck with the uh, per diem, I have dry roasted peanuts or something and, <laughs> and, and used the per diem to buy killer clothes from oh. Henri Bendel's. So, you know, that was a whole different world. I mean, a whole different time. Yeah. yeah. I was looking at, you know, so all your credits and one popped out. It was very unusual. Uh, Psycho Wedding Crasher. I've never seen. <laughs> were you the psycho in that or what were, what were you? What? <laughs> <laughs> now, what year was that? So I so I put it into context of Psycho Wedding Crasher. Was that the most recent one on the, um, oh which one was it? Uh, Lifetime? Was that the one on Lifetime? Yeah, it was on Lifetime. What? Yeah, I don't remember what year, though. That one, yeah, I think it was um, four years ago. That one was crazy. And <laughs> I did a wig. I did a wig. I flew up to Vancouver you get there at like nine o'clock at night, you end up with about two hours sleep because I always put my toys out, if you will, all yeah. my, I lay out everything the night before I go to bed. So I've got it. And I had an early call the next day. And that one was a tough one to execute. And she was nutty as a fruitcake. Aunt Daisy, I think her name was. Mm -hmm. And I wore this brunette dark wig I mean, I was ex I was discovering her as I was creating her, and it just fly by the seat of your pants kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that wasn't, say, my number one favorite, but that was 
often how it is where they fly you the day before and I want everything in its place and everything sort of, uh, I would always request to be, uh, to go up there like two days before, but this one was a tight schedule and a quick accept or not accept kind of thing. And uh, I was flying by the seat of my pants, but uh, I think that that is the most recent one. But she couldn't have been farther from who I who I am. And with the wig, with the wig and kind of these sensible shoes that I was wearing, and Daisy yeah. ran this uh, clothing or some kind of store. And the first day was on location at this store, house store, and uh, it, it, uh, it was a wish and a prayer on that. Yeah. Well, that's I guess part of the adventure of being an actress and um it is yes it is but sometimes it's an overwhelming challenge to mm-hmm. you know pull it off and be smooth and be you know what i want everything i do i want very much to go you know bring it bring the best i've got i compare it with a dive for the olympics i love watching the olympics mm. because the prep the prep for sports to me is such a it, it's like my template for for how I work and the divers who do the thing into the into the pool with no ring or splash mm. they do this very deliberate one two three four bounce bounce dive mm-hmm. and it's clean if they have a clean approach they're home free mm. if there's any and I, I don't want to say misstep because you'd never do a misstep on a diving board but the bottom line is if that prep walking into it before you execute the thing that you will be judged on if Mm. that entrance to your performance is clean you're home free you're Mm. home free that's my feeling anyway that's a great analogy and that brings me because i know you're also i don't know if you still run but you were you ran some marathons which i did also and i and i'm curious well two things did you ever run new york marathon no you know that's funny you mentioned it. I just kind of got chills because that is a goal of mine. I I did every I've done 14 marathons, including Boston, which you have hmm. to qualify for. Yeah, yeah. Uh, running running is my tranquilizer. Yeah. I love it. I I clean house mentally. Mm-hmm. I get rid of the garbage and and the excess. Running is so important. And yes, indeed, last night I only did I don't know something like four miles. Mm-hmm. I normally try to do ten. But with all the uh, necessities of this new normal and trying to, uh, I lost all of my pit crew, uh, you know, hair, makeup, uh, uh, all kinds of people moved out of Los Angeles because they said, you know what, we can't keep up here. We're we're out of here. And they left and moved back to, say, Minnesota or wherever it was less stressed and less New York and L.A. because those are the two uh, high gear uh, population and uh, occupations in the country, I think. And Chicago would be the third one. Sure. But uh, everybody that was in my life as my pit crew disappeared. And mm. I'm trying to reform. I'm trying to reform all of that. Um, it, it, it's been such an adjustment for that reason. I, I got to tell you, I don't know. It's, it's, it's one of the many uh, to-do lists things that I have to you know yeah. get a whole new I get in a whole new group basically because it yeah. takes a village for Joan Van Ark I swear I swear 
<laughs> do you have, yeah, you, because you're Joan Van Ark, do you have two of everything, like two hairdressers and two uh, nail people and two? <laughs> well, I have a, a couple. Yeah, I, I, I have a couple, but you know, again, they are if they're that good, they're also very busy. So yeah. they're they're uh -huh. doing their thing because so so many of us had to sort of hold still here for sure in L.A. and probably all over the country initially with COVID and, um, you know, everybody trying to get back up on their feet and going again has been, you know, an adjustment for everybody, I'm guessing, in the country. But for people in in the entertainment business, it's always a team. It's always a team. Sure. And so they have to they have to pull everybody together as best they can. Quite a challenge. So I, I'm guessing most of the time you're called in because they know who you are. Have you ever like chased a part? Like said, oh, I want to, I hear, you know, that you're doing a film and you see a role and it's- Wow, that's, that's a great question. I don't think I've ever, I, I don't think I have. I, I know when they send me either the specs or the script itself, which doesn't happen so much anyway uh, anymore, because people don't want their script out there, and they just send you sides, which yeah. are, mean the, the the pages that they might want to hear you or see you deliver. But um, I I I can't remember something that I've come across that I've that I've said I got to do this, or you know, okay. it comes to me, and then I try to say does she speak to me? And mm. most times I love, I love the challenge of whoever she is, but um, chasing one that I, that I instigated the chase. I don't know that I've ever done that. I've, I've been maybe lucky enough that things yeah. were sent to me to make, for me to make the choice. Do I want to yeah. audition for this or, or, or uh, often uh, not lately because it, there's not that much product out there. Uh, for granny but but uh, you know it, 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 they don't just send it and say will you do this that that's I think those days pretty much are over unless you're Julia Roberts or whatever you yeah. know that that would be the, the case but I, I can't think off the top and that's the first time I might have been asked that question that's a great question yeah. if they're busy you probably don't have time if to even do that but so I before we can before you look we let you go because I know you've got other things going on. Uh, and this this one this is probably a Barbara Walters question, but if you could if you could whisper in the ear of the fourteen year old uh, Joan Van Ark when you're just starting out about something to not do, you know, you should take that part, don't take that part, mm -hmm. stay away from this leading man, you know, do what, any little uh, advice you'd give to your younger self. Well, I think I had the thing I would, I'm going to say just off the top of my head. Let it come to you hmm. because I, I, let it come to you. I tend, and now intensely so, to be sort of, you know, on edge and anxious. And you've got to breathe truly, gently in the rhythm that is just there. And I'm panting, if maybe I compare it to breath. I'm mm. panting right now. And that's not a good space to be in at all. It's kind of when you say Larry Hagman and a loose set versus a set that's a little bit edgy and a little tight. You, ha I've often had directors who are intense and tight and they scream, all right, action. Mm. You get that kind of, you get that in uh, intense edge and 
anxiety from the director. And if I hear that, Clint Eastwood has the most uh, gorgeous uh, 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 opening for the actor when they are all ready and the clapboard goes down, and that means you're going to film, he says gently, when you're ready. Hmm. And I love that. I love that with all my heart because that gives it over. It gives it over to the rhythm Hmm. and the security and the confidence and the talent of the actor who hears when you're ready. I love that. Yeah, it's a great life lesson for any, yeah, just about anything. It is. It is. It's a great life lesson for right now. Someone like me, who's Gemini, uh, rapid energy, kind of jump, 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 and go, go, go. Uh, that's why I run, to run some of that out of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it is great. And, and I don't know. I would love to ask you both, with, with all of this, has it in any way infected or reflected in your process or what you do talking about covid and being um yeah yeah the new yeah yeah yeah, during covid and now which is almost Mm -hmm. post covid but i think now here comes what is it monkey (laughs) (laughs) monkey brains monkey box box is giving covid a little bit of a you know competition but what what is your have you had any adjustments or is it business mm. as usual well we're both visual artists and we work alone we live alone we work i mean separately alone you know um we're both divorced but uh I, i'll just briefly for myself it, you know it's made it it's made me reevaluate what i do and my priorities and not to waste time on dumb stuff and that's in a nutshell good for you thank that's you a, that's great yeah. That's, that's kind of fantastic. That's kind of similar to me too. I, um, yeah, again, I'm I'm used to lo- living alone and working every day <laughs> on weekends and nights, so it wasn't a huge thing to be isolated. Except it did get a little intense because at least on the weekends I could go out and listen to music, which I like to do or whatever. But um, well, yeah, I also thought like, and also being older and some of my friends like and even people even celebrities sometimes you know celebrities more than you know some friends because you see them on television or film so much with them being older and dying you know made me think like just do what you want to just do your thing what you want to do stop hesitating just jump into it because you know you get your at this time of life you know it's not now when that's fantastic that's fantastic and you know what as you both describe it's wonderful that I mean, not wonderful that you're divorced, of course, but <laughs> no. your brothers, you're no, no, but I mean, but it, your brothers and, you know, balancing family, because I've always been about do the job, the job, the job, the job. And I haven't seen my family in Boulder, Colorado in over three years, because before COVID, we hadn't been there recently. Mm-hmm. So it, we, we, we had a, a thing scheduled even this weekend, but I have a possible conflict work-wise. Uh, it, it, that you're together and family, I, I love that somehow. And I the, put, put the divorce part aside, and that's not great for sure. But the bottom line is, I, I, it's kind of wonderful that you're both working together. Uh, it, it, there's something gorgeous about that. And what you said of how you've coped and how you are now, that's food for thought for me. That's fantastic. You helped me with, with what you said. <clears throat> well. Thank you very much. No, you've been very gracious to do this, and and uh, and kudos to your husband for getting us online. And uh, thank you very much. Yes. 
for your time, Joan. This is really a great pleasure. Thanks a lot. Well, really thank you, and I hope you put together a fantastic, what, half hour, whatever it is. Oh, yeah. Uh, and thank you. Thank you uh, for, all, for your time, too, as well. H- have a good rest of the day in Connecticut. You too. Thanks a lot. Okay. Bye. All righty. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.